Welcome to episode 147 of The Space In Between. I am your host, Phoebe Leona, and I'm going to share a story today to represent the conversation that we're having in the Nomad Collective this month. So to go back just a little, last month we really talked about embracing paradox, right? looking at the polarities within ourselves, within our world, and seeing how we can possibly bring these supposedly opposites together, meet in the middle, and maybe even create something new. So we're gonna continue a little bit of that conversation this month in the idea of bringing spirituality and science together. So I'm gonna share my own personal story, well, actually a story of somebody that I love very much. And not to convince you of anything, right? Because when we talk about spirituality and science, that can already create some polarity in people, right? Having to choose one or the other. Um, it's not really for to convince you. It's just really to show you a new perspective and to invite you into a space of curiosity. So before I share the story and before we dive into that conversation, what I do want to do is invite you to a really special event that's coming up next month in April um, that I'm curating through Nomad called Reimagining Embodied Leadership. Because I think that this is a really important conversation or lots of different important conversations coming together. Because right now, what we're seeing the last few years and we're having this experience right now is old paradigms are, are crumbling. Yeah, in a lot of big ways, a lot of little ways, probably maybe also on a personal level for you. And so we're creating this paradigm shift, which is really exciting. And we're in this space of reimagining what we want our world to look like. So we're going to have conversations with myself and other leaders in the world, different industries, we're having a conversation about reimagining what this new world will look like, but more importantly, how we're embodying leadership now. And I'm not speaking to just the CEOs of corp corporations and companies and leaders of our world, but you. You are a leader of your world. You are the CEO of your world. How, if you're a co-creator, because you are, you are my friend, you are the co-creator of our world. So how are you going to lead? How are you going to embody this new world you want to create? And it comes from this place of first feeling centered in your own being, knowing what you want, feeling safe in order to take the step into the next frontier, it comes from understanding your own emotional tapestry, your own emotional landscape of that new frontier, understanding those uncomfortable places as you enter into the uncertainty and those unknown spaces, those unknown spaces that you share with other people and their own emotional tapestries and how to navigate those harder conversations you might need to have as a leader. Understanding the safe spaces that you want to create for yourself and for others so it feels more inclusive as we co-create this new world so that you become the CEO of your life. So I'm interviewing lots of different people, really special people, having these types of conversations. And 
if you, my hope is one, is that inspires hope for you of this new paradigm shift. You don't feel that it's, if you are somebody who's like, the world is about to end, doomsday, I hope that this inspires a little bit more hope. I hope that if you're already feeling amped up of this paradigm shift, that'll inspire you even more to like own it and be like, yes, I'm going to embody this. I am the leader and ultimately empower you to take action, to take action in your own agency of who you want to become and the world that you're going, you're co-creating with us and some actual tools that you can receive and free gifts too. We got some free goodies for you. So definitely visit us. There's a link in the bio, in the show notes rather. Um, you can visit phoebeleona.com, thenomadcollective.org. There's information at both websites for you to sign up and join. Um, it's free. It's free for you. We have a podcast style. So if you're listening to this, you are. You enjoy podcasts. You might be watching this on YouTube We'll also have videos there as well, but it'll be podcast style interviews with all of these awesome people having these conversations to inspire you to take some action in this new world we're all creating. So that's there for you. Um, Now let's go into this conversation around spirituality and science, because I think it's really important to have a conversation about And it's a conversation that's been happening for a while, but there is still some of a divide. A divide between the two, but also a divide within them. Yeah, I'll talk about that in a moment. But when I want to first just have us settle in for a little story. (laughs) So this story is about my great uncle, Tom. My great uncle, Tom, was the older brother to my grandmother on my maternal side. And he is a very, he was a very, very special person. He still is, even though he's no longer in this world. His human body is not in this world. Um, My uncle Tom was just a few years older than my grandmother. He would probably be in his mid-90s if he were still alive. I don't remember how much older, but he would probably be in his late, mid to late 90s at this point. Um... He was a curious boy. He was also a mischievous boy. My grandmother wrote books, little books for our family called When Tom Was Bad. So he was always into up to no good. But he was also, what I also received from those stories was that he was also very curious. He was very curious even in his older, older age. That's what I remember most about him was his curiosity and his, this Ah, oh, he just always had the I like even when I picture him to this day, he has this this face of just like ah, yeah, and curiosity and like almost like this innocent child face. So early on, I think they were probably in college, um, or maybe my grandmother was in high school, I'm not quite sure, but it was around, you know, his formative years of becoming a man. My grandmother brought her friend home, Pat. And my uncle Tom took a very, very much a liking to to Pat. And I think immediately, I mean, the story that he told me was immediately he met Pat and was in love with her. And that was it. He was going to find a way to marry this woman. And he did. (laughs) And they were married until she passed away many, many years later. 
But he loved my Aunt Pat. He loved his Patsy. My family grew up in a religion, but you know, it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge part of his that their world at that point, as far as I know. But he did convert to Catholicism for my Aunt Pat because it was very important to her and her family. And then it became very important to him. It became very important to him to bring their children up in the Catholic Church. It was very much his faith that he embodied, he believed in, he taught, he celebrated. He was also a scientist. He was an engineer. And I didn't really know a lot about my Uncle Tom until I was like, you know, he was this big jolly man throughout my childhood that always wanted a kiss on his cheek, wanted big hugs, would play songs for me with my name in it to have me, you know, dancing around. He was just this very jolly, jolly soul. And I loved being in his presence when I was a young child. But it was really when I was in middle school that I got to know a deeper version of my my Uncle Tom. It was the summer that I went to go visit him with my grandmother. I was in, I think it was between seventh and eighth grade. And I found out when I was visiting that my dad had a heart attack. And I talk a lot more about this story in my book, Dear Radiant One. But it was scary. You know, my father was about five hour drive away, so I wasn't able to go see him in the hospital until my trip with my grandmother was over. Um, I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't know if it meant he was going to die. I didn't know why. I had a lot of questions. I also had a lot of emotions. And I also didn't quite feel safe to express them because it was a house that I, you know, it was a household. It was a part of my family that I wasn't super close with. I was close with my grandmother, but I don't really remember when I got the news that maybe I was also just in, I was a bit in shock too, and I didn't know what it all meant. But I just remember that I wasn't able to fully process my emotions and I didn't really feel the space to feel safe to express my emotions. So I went downstairs into the basement and maybe I was crying to myself. I can't quite remember. But I remember hearing my Uncle Tom walk in from his day at work and he had this jolly laugh and, oh, how's everybody doing? And he didn't know the news. And then I heard some whispers and it was obviously they were telling him what had happened to my father. And it got really quiet. A minute or two went by and then I heard the steps, his feet walking down the steps, and the, like the, 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 the wood crackling underneath his feet. And I was sort of a little nervous because then I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to handle my emotions right now. And so he just came and he sat by me. And I just remember immediately just his presence gave me this permission to cry. And I kind of leaned into his his belly, he had this big belly, <laughs> like he was very Santa Claus-ish, and his white Hanes t-shirt that he had on. And I leaned into him and I just started to cry. And I, I remember soaking up his Hanes white, white Hanes t-shirt and sort of feeling embarrassed that I was doing it, but he just had this presence of it's okay. And so I cried for a little bit of time and 
And he didn't really say anything for a little while. And then he just started to tell me the story about when his son died. And I knew he had, he had many children. Um, they were all adults. They were this, around the same age as my mom at that point. And I had seen pictures of this other son, but I had never met him and heard that he had passed away, but I didn't really know much about why or how or when. And so my Uncle Tom just started to tell this story about his son, Michael, who had passed away when he was, you know, too young. He was probably a young teenager, I believe. And he had an illness. And my uncle Tom just shared a little bit about how heartbroken he was and how out of control he felt and how he asked God, why? Why would he take such a young child away from his, his family? And he probably did get mad for a little bit of time, but then he said, and then I just got curious. And I leaned into a tool that I had of science. And now he wasn't, and I, and he wasn't, a, you know, into biology at that point. He was more of, I think, a chemical engineer working at a plant and in Pittsburgh. And he just had this drive to learn and figure out how to solve what his son died of. And so he set up a, a lab in his house and decided he was going to find a cure because he didn't want to have any other families lose their children to this illness. And so he made it a mission. He used his curiosity. He used this ability to learn, this, this tool of science to possibly help other people. And so he really taught me that day in the story that he said is that sometimes we don't know why things are happening. It might be happening for us. It might be not to just heal what we're going through, but potentially the future, people who will be going through something similar. And so he really instilled in that day, in, in that day of the mystery of what we call God, we call spirituality, sometimes is there for us, sometimes it's not. But we also have this, these things called science and these, these ways of sort of helping us make sense of what we don't know. And we can use it as a tool to heal and to grow and learn and expand. And that instilled in me really probably who I am today of help wanting to help and serve others because of my own experience of trauma. It's really given me this opportunity to want to lean in and really be of service and help other people. The other little story that I want to share with you about my Uncle Tom was a few years later after that happened, my his wife, his, the love of his life, my Aunt Pat passed away. She got sick with lung cancer. And I remember visiting her and seeing her so sick and seeing him just fall heartbroken again and picking up these pieces. And he really was never the same after she passed away. And he died, I think it was probably, I don't know, 
10, 15 years later. And I re but I remember between that time, before between the time she died and the time that he died, that I went to go visit him in 2005. I remember the year because it was the year I was married and I brought my my person, my, my husband to meet my uncle Tom. And I was so excited because I loved my uncle Tom so much. And it was also sort of like my first time as an adult sitting with him in this more intimate setting because all the other times as an adult, it was really visiting over the holidays and there was like our families were there and there weren't a lot of deep conversations. So I was sort of excited to like have this intimate time with just my uncle Tom and my husband and a couple of other, just a couple of other little family, you know, family members there, but it was, it was more intimate. And I remember sitting around the table talking for hours, just actually really just listening for hours to him because he was so smart and he was sharing with me this whole concept of entanglement, quantum physics. And he was sharing with such a place of like, ah, and curiosity and like, oh my gosh, isn't this amazing? And he was ex talking to me about entanglement, about how there was this concept of quirks, right? Being one quirk and then being separated into two different parts of the country and how one started to, they started, scientists started to spin one quirk in one direction and immediately, no time passed, the other quirk spinned and changed its pattern to match that other quirk and he was saying isn't this fascinating and i just remember like oh my god it is this is amazing <laughs> and it just instilled in me again this this like yearning for for knowledge and for wanting to know more and being curious and leaning in and understanding there's so much more we don't know and it wasn't until many years after he passed away that I understood, I think it was actually after my book came out and I shared the story of when my Uncle Tom was there for me. And I was having this conversation with my mom about this moment that I shared with my Uncle Tom about learning about entanglement. And she said, you know why your Uncle Tom was so curious about entanglement, about this science of quantum physics was because when your Aunt Pat passed away, he wanted to find a way to connect with her again. When she was sick, he wanted to understand the science of how can we, even though we're going to separate, how can I still stay connected with her? And so again, there was this moment where his spirituality of understanding, you know, God is taking his loved one away. He leaned into science and said, okay, let me learn. Maybe there's something that will help me back this up. And so I share this story of my Uncle Tom with you because I was so fortunate to see this and receive this from him that science and spirituality are not separate. They support each other. When something isn't working, the other one can help give some maybe possibilities and some answers. But we have to lean in with this curiosity and without this expectation that one has to serve the other, but really that they are here to coexist together. I think it's really an important conversation to 
to have right now because there is such a division. And I don't think that it's a division of spirituality versus science, but it's actually a division within their own communities, right? This The conversation that we have in religion and spirituality, I don't want to say really spirituality, but I'm going to say religion because religion has a dogma. It's follow these rules and you are a good person who practices religion or you're a sinner, right? It creates this divide and it doesn't really leave space for the mystery that really what religion and spirituality is supposed to embody. It's supposed to invite us into the mystery, invite us into this greater possibility of something that's bigger than beyond ourselves, whether you call it God, Allah, whatever it is in your faith, but that there's something bigger happening here and we can lean into it in a space of curiosity. We also have it in the science where we've created this division. If you think of science, it came from that place of, of like my Uncle Tom, of the un- wanting to know the unknown, trying to make sense of it, trying to create formulas to understand it, to not manipulate it. And that's what I think has happened a little bit in the world of science is that we sort of have decided that we're learning the rules and creating these formulas and we get to play God with different different systems and different you know prescriptions and and various things to manipulate and create control right both of them but really they also were from this root of curiosity of invitations into the mystery so that's my invitation for us into these conversations this month to look at how can we lean in with both of these lenses in a space of curiosity and also to see the dots in both the worlds connecting because we have these different these different what would you call it, modalities or systems that are already happening in both worlds for instance we have something in the sort of Eastern world we, uh, philosophies, we have this idea of Akashic records. And we also have in the science world, quantum physics. And both are very much the same. It's tapping into a field of consciousness that is bigger than what we know to be true right here, right now, and tapping into these energies of wisdom that is beyond what we know to be true and receiving and witnessing, right? Quantum physics, I love that, you know, when you look at quirks, yeah, a lot of times when they're trying to figure out the patterns of a quirk, it's not really about the pattern, it's really that it needs to be witnessed, that it makes a decision, right? And that's us, right? We're witnessing ourselves making choices in our worlds, And that's what creates the pattern. So we get to tap into these different fields, whatever you want to call it, Akashic Records, quantum physics, that helps us understand that we're we're something, we're connected to something much greater. We also have this idea, and we're going to have a full episode uh, on this next time of spiritual awakening, the Kundalini rising, and also another you know, this idea of altered states of consciousness, 
what we see in the mental health world as labeling them as, again, altered states of consciousness, but maybe even labeling them as psychotic episodes or bipolar or schizophrenia. We're going to just kind of look at the similarities of them and dance around that and, and how both could help each other. You know, the spiritual side of things and the science side of things help the practitioner or the person who's experiencing them and support their growth and expansion. Um, we also have this idea of meditation that has been around for thousands of years and looking at how science is really studying it and seeing how it's actually changing our neuropathways. We have neuroplasticity, right? We're changing our thought patterns through the practices of yoga. And we're also looking at now the work that I do of the somatic practices, how it's actually changing how we experience not just our thought patterns, but our nervous system and our fascia, our connective tissues. So there's so much that is happening right now that science is learning and is making sense of what's been happening this whole time and more of like what we call spirituality and Eastern mysticism. So it's so exciting to see and witness and be a part of And so if this is resonating with you, maybe you're leaning in and you're like, yes, I know. Isn't it so exciting? They're coming together. Yeah. But maybe you also have, maybe you're somebody else who sort of leans into one more than the other. If it's not science, if it's not backed up by science, it isn't true, right? Or maybe you're like, everything is spiritual. Science is sort of messing it up and creating control. Whatever the conversation is that feels maybe polar for you, I hope that this has been some sort of elixir to invite you into that curious space again, to reignite that inner child in you one more time. So that is my gift for you. Again, I would love to continue this conversation. Feel free to leave a review, subscribe to this podcast, send me a message over at my website, join the mailing list, send me an email, Just be a part of this conversation because we're all co-creating right now in these conversations and I'd love to share them with you. So that is that. I look forward to being with you soon in some way, shape or form. Have a beautiful day. And again, join our Reimagining Embodied Leadership. And if you feel that you want more specific tools and want to work together, go a little bit deeper with this, join me. Let's do a one-on-one session. That is always there for you. All right, my friends, that is that. Have a beautiful day. Bye.